Hey, Lighthouse Niagara family, this is Pastor Joel Sloss. I hope that the message you received today blesses you so, so much. Hey, so good to be with you tonight, and um, I'm glad you're taking the time uh, midweek to uh, get into the Word of God. The Word of God, uh, the longer I live, the more I see life and experience life, I recognize the truth of the Word of God, and it's a tremendous um, blessing in our lives. And so tonight, uh, we're going to continue on in this uh, uh, book of Colossians, a letter that Paul wrote um, to a church in Colossae, and uh, just an amazing, amazing letter. Um, and I've, I've called this the uh, preeminent series. Um, because Jesus desires to be preeminent in our lives, and he gives us a choice about us making him Lord in our lives. So um, if you haven't read through Colossians, read through it. And if you haven't been uh, catching our our midweek service, uh, the Bible study, uh, you're going to have to go back a few uh, months almost uh, uh, to catch the very first one uh, called First Preeminent or First. And... um, and just go from there uh, chronologically on Wednesday nights. Uh, just a, an amazing uh, series it has been for me. As there's been revelation the Lord has given uh, in his word, through his word, by his spirit to me. So before we get started, let's just open in prayer. Lord, we thank you that uh, you are preeminent. You are above all. You are sovereign. Uh, you are in control. And Lord, you give us as humans uh, the the choice to make you preeminent in our lives. And Lord, it does begin with a a total surrender and a a trust and believing in you, Lord, as we humble ourselves as as sinners. And we come to you and we have life in and through you and your finished work, Lord. And and Lord, that you'd not just be our Savior, the one that saves us from our sins, but you would be our Lord, the one that has plans and purposes and uh, just a, an amazing uh, future and eternity for each and every one as you are Savior and Lord in our lives. So tonight, uh, let there be an anointing on your word and also on the ears of each and every one that would hear. Lord, that there would be a heart to apply this word uh, in, in, our, in their lives, in our lives, Lord. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. So if you have your Bibles with you. I want to read two passages uh, from chapter 3. Uh, we touched on uh, the beginning, few verses of chapter 3 last time. Um, and we sort of did an overview uh, last time of, of Jesus, making Jesus our Lord. And um, the, the blessing that is in that, that there's grace and peace that's extended to us. So check that out from last week. Uh, Jesus, uh, Lord of my life. And, um, uh, but we, let's just, uh, if you have your Bibles with you, I want to read from Colossians chapter 3, uh, from verses 1 to 4, and then we'll just jump to verse 17 uh, as, we, as we look into the word here tonight. So it says, uh, If then you were raised with Christ, seek those things which are above, where Christ is sitting at the right hand of God. 
Set your mind on things above, not on things on the earth. For you died, and your life is hidden with Christ in God. When Christ, who is our life, appears, then you also will appear with him in glory. And then down to verse 17. And whatever you do in word or deed, do all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. Whatever we do, every word spoken, every action done, that all would be done in the name of Jesus, of the Lord and Savior, our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. As we um, look at these uh, few verses here in Colossians chapter 3, we need to, I want you to recognize that the first two uh, chapters talk about Jesus being preeminent in verse uh, 18, uh, Colossians 1.18, it talks about that we would make him preeminent, uh, that there would be a placing of Jesus first and foremost in our lives. Um, and then chapters 3 and 4 uh, have to do with life, our lives, before we would get to heaven, and, and how our lives should be. And uh, so the Lord desires to help us through every single aspect of our daily living and our life here on this planet uh, from, from the moment that we give our life to Jesus right until uh, he calls us home or the trumpet sounds. So either one, we will be with him. My question is, are, are you saved? Are you a follower of Jesus? And if you are, we need to look up. You need to look up. I need to look up. And tonight, if you are not saved and you're not a follower of Jesus Christ, if you're backslidden or whether you're wayward and uh, you are, yeah, you're heading in your own direction, uh, I want you uh, to look up. And tonight, I've just entitled this uh, uh, part of the preeminent series, Preeminent, and then look up. Look up. Praise God. So the Lord desires, in chapters 3 and 4, he desires to work and help us in every area of our lives, whether it's uh, personal temptations that we may have as individuals, whether it's behavior, or our behavior and struggles we may have with our behavior, dealing with the past and our past behavior, changing us personally uh, in our marriage uh, in our marital relationship or with between husband and wife, uh, relationship with our children, uh, our, our um, relationship at work in the work setting, and also our work ethic and our blessings, uh, and also the finances that are available to us. Uh, the Lord desires to, to work all of these things out and... Uh, also, when it comes to our personal walk, uh, our disciple, their discipleship, and our, our daily walk, he wants to, to be a part of that. Uh, when it comes to dealing with the world, whether, whether it comes to uh, our, our appreciation and love for one another, the interactions we have with brothers and sisters in the Lord, even when it comes to conflict, uh, and when things aren't working out, uh, he, there's, there's insight into that, as well as for what he's called us and who he's called us to be and the things that he would have us do. So the Lord does an amazing uh, uh, job of saying, hey, this is available 
for you uh, in your lives, I want to be a part of it, that you need to look up. You need to look up. And so these verses, uh, these first four verses in chapters 3 uh, and, and even 17 deal with what should be happening when it comes to our lives uh, on this side of heaven. Praise God. So the Lord uh, wants for us not to stumble in any way. He wants for us to have victory. Listen, if, you're, if you are, are going through life and you're, just, you're running into one... Um, seems like one problem after another you're struggling with your the way you are before the lord on a daily basis you're struggling with temptation you're just just struggling with your your behavior your uh your actions uh the things that are coming out of your mouth uh all of these different things if you're struggling you need to you need to listen even if you're not struggling you still need to listen you need to listen, and today that you would look up. So just going back to verses, um, these, these verses, in uh, verse 1, Colossians 3, verse 1, it says, if then you were raised with Christ. And I just want to take a look at this. What, what is it? When are we raised with Christ? The moment we are raised with Christ is the moment that we acknowledge uh, our stand before God and that we are not in right in the right position we have sinned we acknowledge that we recognize that and we we also acknowledge the fact that that Jesus needs to be uh, uh, our Savior to save us from our sins and so as we recognize our sin we recognize who Jesus is and that what he did for us on the cross 2,000 years ago and we allow him to be a part of our lives, to, to gain entry into our lives and, uh, and to fellowship with him, have interaction with him on a regular daily basis, uh, is the moment. The moment that that confession is made of sin and of Christ dying for us and allowing him to come into our lives, and we believe it in our hearts, is the moment that we are raised supernaturally to new life passages, different, numerous different passages talk about going, going from being dead in trespasses and sins to having life, that we are alive, we are raised up. Ephesians chapter 2 talks about that. And the same wording here uh, is the fact that we, we have been raised with Christ. If you have been raised with Christ. So he's saying if you are alive spiritually and you've come to Jesus Christ and he is your Lord, it says seek those things which are above. So there's this aspect of looking up to things, not of this earth, but things that are uh, at another, at a, in a spiritual or at a spiritual level, spiritual realm, uh, and things, not just any spiritual thing, but the things of the Lord Jesus Christ and of God. So it says, seek those things which are above. It says where Christ is, where Christ is, sitting at the right hand of God. Now, the Lord is saying here, just as he has been, as, as Paul, by the Holy Spirit, has emphasized in chapters 1 and 2, that Jesus Christ is preeminent, he is sovereign, uh, and he's desiring for us to, uh, to, to make Jesus sovereign in our lives. And so it says here where Christ is. We seek those things which are above where Christ is. He's no longer, he's... Uh, not physically on this earth like he was 2,000 years ago, but uh, even though Jesus Christ is omnipresent, he's everywhere, 
he is in heaven sitting on the right hand of the Father. This thing of being on the right hand of, the, of God uh, talks about a position of authority. It talks about power. It talks about sovereignty. It's a place on the throne on the right hand of God, God is seated on the throne. Jesus is seated at his right hand. God the Father, God the Son, Jesus Christ is sitting on his right hand. And this is a position of, of in this position of authority, that where things happen. The, the position of authority is a position where things are, are decreed, that plans and purposes that should be are put into motion. And so the Lord desires, he says, hey, I, I want you to look up where I am in authority, and I have the power to have things unfold in your life as you allow me preeminence in your life. Listen to me. If you want the things of God to unfold in your life, and I'm not saying that you're not going to have struggles or difficulties or whatever. Uh, that's not what I'm saying. But I, what I am saying is, if you desire to have God's will unfold in your life, Jesus Christ needs to be recognized as being sovereign in your life and that there is this aspect of, of, of submission to him and an allowance of those things to be put into place. In fact, if you look at this first verse, there's this, this idea of the fact that we can seek those things which are above or we don't have to seek those things which are above. We have a choice in the matter. And here, Paul, by the Holy Spirit, is saying, definitely you want to seek those things which are above. Now, I just I want to take a little bit of, of time here on, on uh, priorities uh, that we have as believers. And, and sometimes the priorities that we have are not good. In fact, they're detrimental to us as believers. Oftentimes, the priorities that we have in life tend to focus in on taking care of things that are temporal. They're, they're not permanent. They're not going to last. Uh, and, and with that, Sometimes even the things that we deal with are things from the past because God's will is not unfolding in our life. We have these, these negative things of decisions we've made in the past and the consequences of those negative decisions now impacting us today and then we're having to deal with those things. And, and not to say we say, hey, we don't deal with them, but the thing is that we need to uh, look up and look to Jesus Christ as followers of him to have his will accomplished in his life, in our lives. So not to say that we, you know, when it comes to life that, hey, we shouldn't, we shouldn't work or we shouldn't have goals or ambitions or anything like that, but rather that when it comes to life that God's will for us will unfold. You say, well, does God have a specific will for my life? I want to say to you, absolutely, yes, he does. He has a specific uh, purpose and plan for your life that is different than mine, that is different than the next person. That is the specific will of God for you. 
Now, there's the general will of God for every believer. For instance, the fact that, that we would spend eternity with God. That is, that is for, for all believers as we continue to keep our faith in Jesus Christ and his finished work on the cross. So when it comes to our life here on earth and sometimes our priorities getting messed up, we, get, we are distracted from looking up. So what happens is if we're not looking up, we're going to start looking around us and uh, with that there are we, we start to run into problems as our view goes from Jesus Christ and his plans and purposes for us and starts to go to uh, our own plans and purposes or the plans and purposes of other people on your life or whatever uh, the Lord is saying I have something for you Jesus when he began his ministry uh, the focus that he had which should be the focus of all of us as believers, generally, our focus should be about the expanding of the kingdom of God. Jesus, when he began his uh, ministry, he mentions this. And I, I like Mark chapter 1, where it's very succinct about Jesus beginning his ministry. It says, now after John was put in prison, this is Mark 1 verse 14. After John the Baptist was put in prison, Jesus came to Galilee preaching the gospel or the good news of the kingdom of God and saying, the time is fulfilled and the kingdom of God is at hand. Repent and believe in the gospel. So the kingdom of God is not a, a place, but rather it is a condition of the heart. It's a state of our being spiritually is the kingdom of God. We are part, we can be in that, we are part of the kingdom of God as we give our life to the Lord, but also the kingdom of God is within us as just as Jesus is king uh, in this kingdom and God the Father, Son, the Holy Spirit are very involved in the, in the kingdom of God, in their kingdom, but he resides within us. So the kingdom of God is not like, hey, oh, hey, let's go to the kingdom of God. You know, it's, it's, it's somewhere, uh, it's on, on, on the, I don't know, uh, in, in Hawaii. You know, the kingdom of God is in Hawaii. Uh, no, it is a condition of where you are at spiritually. So it doesn't matter where you are as a believer, as you repent. It says here two things. It says to repent. So there's a turning of our direction from I'm going to go and I'm doing what I want to. I'm looking up now. Lord God, I recognize that you are the one. I need to turn from my sin. I repent from my sins. I repent from the direction I'm heading in. And I believe in the gospel. I can't do one without the other. I need to do both of those things to repent and believe in the gospel. So as we continue to head in that, in that direction, uh, there are uh, things that happen that are a blessing to us uh, as we turn from destruction and heading to a life without God and eternity without God to a life with Jesus Christ on this side of heaven and eternity with God for all eternity. Praise God. So, such good news. Um, we recognize that, that there can be distractions where we are not seeking those things above. We don't seek those things which are above where Christ is sit, sitting at the right hand of God. The Lord is saying this is what we should seek that God would be sovereign in our life. Look at what Jesus says in Luke chapter 9, verse 23. He says, Then he said to them all, If anyone desires to come after me, 
let him deny himself and take up his cross daily and follow me. For whoever desires to save his life will lose it. But whoever loses his life for my sake will save it. So there's this idea of if I desire for, to save my life by my plans, my purposes, my uh, ideas and, and whatever, we're going to lose it. But if we give our life up to Jesus, Jesus, you take my life. I give my life over to you. It says, from, and we, we give to him. It says, and whoever loses his life for my sake will save it. For what profit is it to a man if he gains the whole world and is himself destroyed or lost? For whoever is ashamed of me and my words, of him the Son of Man will be ashamed when he comes in his own glory and his fathers and in, of the holy angels. So this aspect of, of being ashamed of Jesus Christ. So it's like, nah, I don't think so. Jesus, no, no, no. Definitely, oh, doing your word, the words you might speak to us, your will being done in our lives, ah, I don't think so. I'm ashamed. I don't want to do those things. Uh, this, the, these things are detrimental. This, this distraction or this rejection is detrimental to us as, as believers on this side of heaven. And we start to, we start to have problems. Now, it's interesting here in, in Luke chapter 9, uh, there's a mention of Jesus Christ. There's a mention of his words, of being ashamed of him and his words. Um, to seek which is from above, to set your mind on things above. I want, I want to go to a uh, parable that Jesus uh, gave. And we've spent much time on this parable a few years back, and and uh, this this. This is, uh, it gives an idea of the importance of the word of God and the impact of how we respond to the word of God in our lives. And if, if we go back to, um, I, maybe I'll, I'll throw this in right now, Colossians 3, uh, the second verse, um, which talks about putting our, our setting our mind on things above. Let me, let me just read verse 1 and then verse 2. So, if then you were raised with Christ, seek those things which are above where Christ is sitting at the right hand of God. So, looking to God, the sovereignty of God, Jesus being Lord in our life, allowing his will to be done in our life. And then it says, set your mind on things above, not on things on the earth. So, there's this aspect of I have to set my mind on things above, not on things on the earth. And there is this, uh, when you think about it, what comes into your mind? What comes into your mind? And so much of what comes into your mind is what we, what we hear, not just what we see. If you're watching something and you have the volume turned off or you couldn't hear, the amount that comes in, is limited. We see, we're not sure. What is that person saying? I'm not sure what they're saying. Or they're quite, man, they're excited about something, but I don't know what they're excited about because I can't hear them. So much of what we see comes into our, our, our brain and into our mind and into our thinking, and there's a response to the things that we, we hear that come into our mind. A word spoken. Listen to the importance of the word um, as we go through this, this parable. 
and and the importance of hearing and as we hear there's a coming into our mind and at that point there's understanding that may take place or not there might be a filtering to a certain extent and then there's a rejecting of what we may hear it is critical uh, when it comes to the Word of God listen and this is the the parable a parable is is an illustration that Jesus get, uh, gives to make a point or a number of points all right it says and when a great multitude had gathered and we're talking not just a few people not just a few hundred we're talking thousands came to hear Jesus so when a great multitude had gathered and they had come to him from every city he spoke by a parable an illustration a sower went out to sow his seed and as he sowed some of it fell by the wayside I'm sowing and it was trampled down and the birds of the air devoured it some fell on rock and as soon as it sprang up it withered away because it lacked moisture and some of it fell upon the thorns and the thorns sprang up with it and choked it but others fell on good ground sprang up and yielded a crop a hundred fold a hundred times from one seed a hundred times from a hundred seeds a hundred times a hundred a hundredfold of that and I know you want me to do the math in my head yeah it's 10,000 when he had said these things he cried he who has ears to hear let him hear and he said I, I'm gonna read that again because this is critical when he had said these things he cried he who has ears to hear let him hear now we're talking about setting our mind on things above so the things that we take in into our mind that it would not just be of this world but would be from above from from Jesus the things that he's saying so here Jesus was literally on the earth and he's literally speaking to thousands possibly tens of thousands or many thousands maybe there was over 10,000 maybe 15,000 people and he's saying if you have an ear hear what I'm saying let me read it again when he had said these things he cried this is Luke 8 verse 8 he who has ears to hear let him hear now this is what I find um, sad verse 9 says then his disciples asked him saying what does this parable mean it was only the followers of Jesus or his close or his disciples that came to him, the ones that were following him that were close to him they came to him and said what does this parable mean there was nobody else I, I find this uh, unfortunate because of the thousands that were there I don't know if there were others maybe there were others that drew in near even as they heard his disciples say well what does this mean what does this parable mean and listen to what he says in verse 10 and he said to you it has been given to know the mysteries of the kingdom of God but to the rest it is given in parables to who to the disciples followers of Jesus that there would be a revelation and of understanding and to the others it says seeing you know they see they got they got a, an illustration a parable they may not see and hearing 
they may not understand. So there's a separating of those that want more and are pressing in for more when it comes to being a part of the kingdom of God and the mysteries of the kingdom of God and those that really don't want. I said, I don't care. It was, that was a nice illustration, Jesus, you gave. Not sure what it means, and I'm really not that interested. Uh, and so there's no understanding to this parable because this parable basically, as the Lord uh, uh, expands and, and uh, explains the parable is extremely powerful, even to the believer. Because this is not just for the unbeliever and believer. I believe it is for, for all believers and the different states that we can uh, respond to the word of God. And setting our mind, not just to, to seek uh, those things which are above where Christ is, to say, Lord, yes, I recognize you, but also to set our mind on those things above because the Lord is speaking to us and he's saying, I want you to hear what I have to say to you because I have something for you in your life. And so often we, and we will see in this parable as the ex Jesus gives the explanation, the extreme distractions that take place when it comes to the word of God. To set our mind on things above, as a disciple wants to know more and, and we want to see and have the, the mysteries of the kingdom of God explained to us, we press in, God, reveal these things to me. Speak to me because I want to understand. Not that I just I hear and I don't understand. I want to understand what you have for me. So set your mind on things above because... It is all about seeking and seeing those things that are above and thinking on those things that are from above, from the Lord. It is in the mind that we have understanding and we make decisions about life. Think about it. Every single thing that you say and do starts up here as something has been received by your ears, your eyes and your ears, it gets put in your, your, your mind and thinking, and there's a processing of it, and then we act on it. And we may act correctly or incorrectly on that information because there's a choice that we make to say, yes, I, I'm in agreement with this, and I'm going to do it, or I say, no, 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 I'm not going to do that. And it is critical when it comes to the, the things of the Lord that the Lord would speak into your life that we hear and we do it. There's blessing in, in it for us. Now, before I get into the explanation of this um, uh, uh, that Jesus gave in, in Luke chapter 8, and we're, we're talking about setting our mind on things above and, and the, the hearing of the word, the doing of the word. But as, as believers, if we don't see or understand the things that the Lord has for us and he's speaking to us, we will miss out so much on the, the, the good and the blessing of life and the things the Lord would have us do. So if, if we are that way as believers, like the, the masses that were, they didn't press in to, to get the deeper meaning, we're sort of casual about the word of the Lord. Listen, if the word of the Lord does not mean much to you, you don't, you hear the word and you just, well, ah, Okay, nice, nice sermon, Pastor, or nice message, Pastor. Uh, oh, very exciting, Pastor. But we're just sort of casual about 
what it means to us in our life. I'll, I'll tell you, we make a decision on how we're going to speak our interactions with others and with the Lord and our actions, our speech and our actions are, are there's, there's decisions being made in our mind as to what, how we will, will walk forward in our life. And so if we're casual and uninterested and distracted about the things that Jesus would say to us, there will be issue in our lives. In fact, I have seen Christians that have gone like this in their life. They just keep going around and around in circles. And we're talking not really going anywhere for not just a few days or a few weeks or a few months. We're talking years, even decades, where there's no change in where a person is at spiritually. It is quite alarming that there's no change in their life. There's no, there's no fruit actually happening. There's nothing of, 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 of blessing, not, not just even to the Lord, but even to others. There's no blessing or fruit in that person's life. That's not good. We need to, if we're in that place where Jesus is not seated on the throne of our lives, he's not on the right hand or on the throne of our life, he's not really Lord in our life, we tend to not look up. When Jesus is not Lord in our life, we don't look up, Lord, what would you have for me? We're, we're just, we look around. Oh, hey, look, well, look what's going on over there. Oh, look, you know, that person is, is talking about this, and man, that's pretty exciting. I want to do what they're telling me to do or they're offering to me. And so rather than looking up, we're looking horizontally. Rather than looking vertically, Lord, what you, would you have for me? It's a looking around. At, oh, hey, here's something, here's something. And we get caught up on, on bandwagons of where people are going. Sometimes entire society swinging in a certain way. It's like we're right on with it. And so we're looking around rather than looking up. I'm telling you, we need to look up. As believers, we need to look up. We can't be looking around to, to this, the, the world for the answers. We can't look to the world for the answers. Seeking those things which are above. Setting our minds on those things which are above. Looking up. Listen. Looking up is a position of surrender. When I look up to Jesus, I have placed him above me. That is a good position to be in. When I look up, Jesus starts to become real in my life. I'm not distracted by the things all around me and whatever. I'm looking up. Jesus, I'm not distracted. You, you become Lord in my life. You are Lord in my life. I'm not distracted by the things that are going on around me of this world. I'm not saying that, hey, you can't be aware of or whatever. But you're not distracted because your focus, your eyes... You are looking up. You're seeking those things above. You're looking to Jesus. Often, the motivation of coming to Jesus is to see what I can get from him. And it's sort of, there's a temporal uh, um, aspect to it. It's like, 
is it that important or is it that important? Now, I'm not saying that these things can't be significant. Listen, when it comes to major problems with, with health, I believe that many that came to Jesus, because he was ministering and he was healing the sick and whatever, uh, a lot of, of those that came to Jesus was, hey, I've got a major issue in my life and I need for, for somebody. Nobody can take care of it. Jesus, you can take care of it. Heal me. And then there's a going on with life. There's a, a continuation. You know, the man that was, uh, I think it was one that was, was that had, he had healed by the pool of Beth Bethesda. Uh, or the, of, of anyways, the, the one that wasn't able to get into the pool, the waters would ripple, the, the angel would come, and, and the first one that got into the pool would get healed. And this man had been there for years and years, and he couldn't move fast enough. There was nobody to put him in. And Jesus basically said, hey, I want to make you, I want to I heal you, I want to make you whole. He made him whole. The interesting thing is that man went basically and told on Jesus. It was like, yeah, I don't, I, I don't mind you making me well physically, but to make, you, make me whole spiritually was, was not part of what this man's motivation was. He just, I want to be healed. And uh, listen, Prayer for the sick, absolutely, I believe in that, and we need to pray for the sick. But you know what? We can pray for the sick, and they become well, and they're, they're, they're made physically well, and, and they, can, they can go and end up with uh, having eternity in hell. Our, our spiritual condition is way more important than our physical condition, and I'm not, I don't want to downplay the, the situation you may be, that you may be in whatever it may be, health or uh, relationships or finances. But I'll tell you right now, when we keep our view horizontal, we look, we're looking at the other person. He said this to me. No, they, you said this to me, and it's back and forth. And there's this, this issue because our eyes aren't focused on him and what he would have us, who he would have us be, and he's speaking into our life. We're more concerned about different people around us and, and our interaction with them, this horizontal thing. You say, well, pastor, uh, well, aren't we, we're in this world. I say, yes, we're in this world, but the Lord would have us live a certain way and our interactions with others as well. Uh, even in this, the coming chapter, the uh, next two chapters, there's an, the, an aspect of forgiveness that is dealt with our interactions. In fact, every interaction, every part of our life, the Lord is saying, hey, I have instruction for you. Listen to what I have to say regarding these things. And don't do the things of the world regarding whatever that, that aspect that you need to look into. But rather, listen to what I'm saying to you and, and heed my word. So often, yeah, we come with another motivation to Jesus. And whatever it may be, and the Lord is saying, but I have so much more. I, I, you, yes, you can deal with this. Listen to what I have to say about those situations. But I have so much more that you're missing out on because you are distracted. You are distracted by, by the things of life. And um, so, so often, so when we're not looking up, we're just, we're looking horizontally or we're looking down. And when we, when we're looking down, Oftentimes, as a position of defeat, it's like, oh, man, my life is so hard. My life sucks. And there's this looking down, and it's a position of defeat. Or 
it can be a looking down because it's all about I'm in charge and I'm looking down. I look down at others. I look down because I've got it all figured out. Listen, it's a position of pride. When we're looking down, when we're looking down on others, it's a position of pride. So whether it's a, we're in a defeated position or we're in a position of pride where I've got it all together and, and I don't need God, we are still looking down. And the Lord is saying, I want you to look up. I want you to look to me and I want you to hear what I have to say. Set your, your eyes on me and listen to what I have to say. Let, don't be distracted by the things of this life. At times, both positions, whether a position of defeat or a position of pride, is achieved because of our ignorance about of who Jesus is and what he can do in our lives, what he's done for us and what he can do for us in our lives as we look to him, as we heed him, as we hear him. And it's, so it's a position of ignorance. So maybe it's not a thing of, uh, hey, I'm looking horizontally because I, I don't, I'm purposely not looking to Christ. Sometimes it's not a purposeful thing, but sometimes it's a thing of ignorance. And we, we just don't know. Oh, I didn't know. What? Jesus would take care of that situation in my life? Oh, Jesus is going to take care of my, my job or my, my, my finances? And it's like, yeah, he desires to take care of those things in our life. So today, regardless of defeat, whether you're looking down because of defeat or you're looking down because of pride or you're looking down and around because of just you don't know any better, it's ignorance. The Lord is saying to you, look up. Look up to him. When I'm defeated, when I'm in a position of pride, when I'm in a, in a state of just not knowing, I need to look up because the Lord is in a position to work things out in our lives that we could never work out alone and we will never be able to work out on our own sometimes it's just position or a, a situation when, it, when we're, we're talking about our own behavior our own character who we are it's like oh man i wish i could get control of this thing i wish i i was not a certain way and the lord is saying but i can change you look to me look up and hear what i have to say to you we would not be in a position of pride that says, no, I, I, I don't need you. So this parable, now explained in Luke chapter 8, and uh, this thing of seeing that they may not see and hearing that they may not understand, the disciples are saying, no, 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 Lord, we heard the, and we got the illustration, we, we heard the illustration, we want to know what does it mean. We want to understand, so tell us. So now he starts to, to speak, and this I want to know, Lord, was, what is it that you have? Is, is setting your mind on things above. I want to know, Lord. I want to understand. What do you have for me? What am I supposed to do? Listen to the parable, the meaning of it. Now, the parable is this. The seed is the word of God. That Now comes this aspect of setting your minds on things which are above. Jesus Christ and his word to us. The seed is the word of God. It's, it's there for us. Those by the wayside, the seed that fell by the wayside, are, are those, are the ones who hear. Then the devil comes and takes away the word out of their hearts, lest they should believe and be saved. Now, this is not just for the unbeliever. They hear the gospel, and the, 
it's planted in their hearts, and the enemy comes because of the, the way, the hard heart. He comes and he's able to take that word out of their heart. It's, but I truly believe it's not just for the unbeliever hearing the word, but I also believe that it's for the believer who is not looking above and is not hearing. And so what happens is because their heart is hard, there's a stealing of that word from them. And from you, from me, as I just say, well, you know, I'm going to look to the situation. I'm going to look, oh, my goodness, I'm panicking, and I'm not looking to the Lord. And the enemy comes, and he steals from us peace. He steals from us joy. He steals from us uh, the things of, of the tremendous love that God has for us. So we just, well, I'm all alone, and there's fear that comes in. Perfect love casts out all fear. That love that comes from God casts out all fear. So it's stolen because of, of what's taken out of our hearts. Our heart, you know, the, our heart physically, in my body, my heart right now, I'm able to speak, I'm able to stand, I'm able to move, I'm able to think because the heart is dis distributing blood. It's pumping continually. So I don't know, at this point in time, it'd be between 70 and 80 beats per minute even as I'm standing and I'm talking, probably closer to 80 beats, if not a little bit higher. Uh, and so I'm able to do that because blood is coursing through my body. And so the things that, that the cells need to have taken away, the waste product is taken away, the things that the, the cells need, the nourishment, food-wise and also oxygen-wise, is given. Carbon dioxide is released and it's taken out. And so there's this transfer that's taking place uh, the blood that's coursed through our, coursing through our body is, is nourishing every part of our body. And it, it's coming from the heart as the heart pumps. The, if the, the heart stops beating, the blood will stop flowing. And when the blood stops flowing, there is a, a, a function, or the, the body stops functioning. And in fact, if the, st the heart stops long enough, a heart attack is basically your heart stops beating. And if it stops for long enough, we basically die. We die. It says the word of the Lord is, was in their heart. The devil comes and takes away the word out of their hearts. Lest they should believe and be saved. Unless they, they respond to the word by faith and believe. And I'm not just saying saved spiritually. Uh, the first time you give your life to the Lord and you're, you're changed, miraculously brought to life. But we're I'm talking about on a daily basis where the enemy, because our heart is hard, that which is good for us and for the whole body, for the nourishment of the whole body, is taken and stolen from us. We're talking about life. We're talking about the things of life that are stolen from us because we have hardness of heart. It fell on the, that, the wayside where the, the, the path was hard and the fowls came and they took that seed away because there was a hardness. The Lord is saying it's our heart. If our heart is hard, hard, I want you to know at this point, as we humble ourselves, looking up, I said, is about humility. If we're looking down, it's about pride. The opposite of pride is humility. Lord, I'm looking up to you. I recognize the hardness of my heart. Man, I, I've been so focused on the things of life, what's going on around me and what's coming at me and all these different things that's scary, it's frightening, or, man, I've got ambitions and dreams that I've got to do this and I've got to do that, and I'm not even looking to you. 
at that point, Lord, I'm coming to you, and I humble myself. I am looking up to you. I'm hearing what you're saying to me. I'm grabbing a hold of that word to me. It goes on in, in Luke 8, verse 13. It says, but the ones on the rock are those who, when they hear, receive the word with joy, and these have no root, who believe for a while and in time of temptation fall away. When they hear, these have no root. It's almost like because of their response to what's going on around and the fact they haven't grabbed a hold of the seed, there's no root that's allowed to, to go down because they're, the seed, you know, it's there and then it's, it's there's no root that's allowed to, to allow for growth to begin to take place in their life. And it, just the way it's sounding, it says here, these have no root. These people have no root. When they hear, they receive the word with joy, and these have no root, who believe for a while and in time of temptation fall away. It's like, you know what? I'm, I'm only grabbing a hold because maybe it was an emotional thing. I just, oh, man, life is so, so it's, it's, oh, thank you, Jesus, for saving my soul. But the moment that temptation comes along, they fall away. It's like they're choosing to say, you know what, uh, the temptation, yeah, I think I'm going to go there. Um, that's where I'm, I'm going to go ahead and I'm going to do what I feel to do. There's no root. A choice that they make at this point in time. Now, I want to throw in this, say, but pastor, uh, hey, aren't you tempted? Absolutely. I want to turn to Colossians chapter 3, verse 17. We've been talking about Colossians 3, verses 1 and 2. But I want to, I want to go to Colossians 3, 17, because we read that at the beginning. It says, and whatever you do in word or deed. So it doesn't talk about temptation. It's not saying that temptation is not there, but it's saying that whatever you do in, in word and speech, word is talking about your speech, and deed has to do with our actions, our conduct, our behavior. Whatever you do in word or deed, do all in the name of the Lord Jesus. It's interesting. It says not just in the name of Jesus, but in the name of the Lord Jesus. Jesus is Lord in your life. I'm looking up. I'm surrendered to him. It says do all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. The fact that, you know what, hey, everything that I say and do, as I do all in the name of the Lord Jesus, will allow me to be give thanks to God the Father. Like, oh man, you came through again. Oh God, thank you, you came through again. I was looking up to you. I grabbed a hold of you, and you helped me with my deeds, the things that I should do. Or you helped me in my conversation, my interactions with others. Listen, when we're just talking to ourselves. It's kind of strange if we're just talking to yourself. No, we talk to other people. We talk to the Lord. So in our conversations with others, the Lord is there to say, hey, I'm going to help you through. Now it says, do all in the name of the Lord Jesus. In Jesus' name. I want to read quickly from Philippians 2, verses 8 to 11. It says, and being found in appearance as a man, talking about Jesus, he was found in just like 
like I am in the flesh. He humbled himself and became obedient to the point of death, even the death of the cross. So even though he was in, in the flesh and, and the spirit was leading him to the cross, he, became, he humbled himself and said, yes, I'm going to the cross willingly for Dave, for you. Even to the point of death, even the death of the cross. Now listen, verse 9. Therefore, God also has highly exalted him and given him the name which is above every name. That at the name of Jesus every knee should bow of those in heaven, of those on earth, and of those under the earth. And that every tongue should confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Praise God. The name of Jesus is above every name. And at the name of Jesus, things are accomplished. You might say, well, what is it about a name? And we're talking about temptation here. We're talking about the things that are very real that come to tempt us and our, our, our flesh and our being. What is it about Jesus' name that we can do the things that we do and the things that we say as we say them, do all in the name of the Lord Jesus. Jesus, Lord of my life, by choice, and his name. So Jesus is Lord. I put him, I choose to put him there. I'm looking up to him in a place of surrender to him. I'm not... Yes, the things around me are coming at me, temptation coming at me. So rather than looking there, I look up now to Jesus, and I'm in a position of surrender. I'm in a position of, Lord, I'm, I'm surrendered to you. Now listen, I'm not saying that you look up. I'm talking in a spiritual sense. I'm going to look to the Lord. I'm going to look to the Lord. Not, not just physically. I don't want you walking around, you know, but in a spiritual sense, Lord, I'm putting you first in my life. To deal with the things of temptation, whatever we do in word or deed. Temptation, well, let me just, going back to, to Jesus' name, okay? Here's what it says about this word, name, which is anoma in the, uh, in the Greek. is the Greek word anoma. And it has to do with, yeah, the names, the proper names that people are given. For instance, G Jesus was given. His name is Jesus. You shall call him uh, Jesus because he will save his people from their, their sins. He will save his people. The name is used, a name or the name is used for everything which the name covers. Every, everything uh the thought or feeling of which is, is that comes to the mind by the mentioning of a name or the hearing of a name or the remembrance of the name. For instance, the things of rank or position or of authority or of interests or pleasures or the command uh, or the things of excellences that that name conjures up. Oh, yeah, that person. When you mention somebody's name. The things, it even says here, deeds, the things that they've done. So when you hear the name Jesus, to recognize that his name is above all names. He is seated on the right hand of the Father. All power and authority is his. He is sovereign. He is above all. And he's able to take care of your situation and the situation in your life. 
And the, his name is not just who he is, but what he's done. And I've mentioned this recently a number of times in the last while. Jesus' name is not just about who he is, the fact that he walked on, the, on this earth 2,000 years ago, that he is the Son of God, but also what the Son of God did for us, and that he is to die for us, that we could have life, that we could have victory in every aspect of our living. So Jesus' name covers, at the very least, two things, who he is and what he has done for us. You know what? Depending on what you want done, uh, you know, hey, someone says, hey, you know, oh, do you know a good electrician? Or you know a good plumber? And they just want, give me a name. Give me a name. Tell me a name. And I'm going to go to that person because, hey, you said that, that they do good plumbing or whatever. In fact, I've had people come to me because my name covers not just who I am, but it also alludes to my reputation. It alludes to the things that I've accomplished, the things that I, I can accomplish because of my reputation. That's what my name, Dave Spadzinski, brings up to those that know me. I may have let you down. At that case, Dave Spadzinski might be a negative name to you or a disappointment to you. Listen, if I haven't disappointed you yet, it's only a matter of time. It's interesting also, oftentimes, people want to use my name. They'll say to me, Pastor, can I use you as a reference? Why? Because of the position that I hold, the authority that I have. Now, whether it was before as a teacher, they're saying, oh, hey, you're a teacher. You have a, a certain position. A pastor, you have a certain position. And so your name means something when you say, when I sign Dave Spadzinski, pastor, Lighthouse Church of God, or uh, Dave Spadzinski, or Reverend D. Spadzinski. There's this thing of position and authority that carries weight that things can get accomplished. I don't know how many people <laughs> that, that because they use my name and, and there was a check on, they, there was a calling of me by a company or uh, an employer saying, hey, listen, so-and-so, put down your name. What can you say about them? They know that I'm speaking as a pastor. And as I speak, the things that I say carries weight about you. And the next thing you know, you get this call saying, hey, you got the job. Uh, truly, I know people have received jobs because they used my name as a reference. Now listen, just let me say this. If I don't know you, you can't really use my name because I can't say anything about you. But I just want to say, when it comes to Jesus' name, Jesus' name is way beyond my name. And about who or what he can do for you in your life, in your situation. Jesus' name. So Jesus' name, once again, the name is used for everything which the name covers. Everything. The thought or feeling of which is conjured up or comes to your mind by the mentioning of that name, by the hearing of the name, the remembrance of the name. For example, their, the rank of that person, the authority of that person, their interests, their pleasures, their, the commands, the things they've spoken, the things they've said, their excellences, the things that they have done, all of those 
that come up as you mention the name of Jesus, who he is and what he's done. It says in Colossians 3, 7, he says, and whatever you do in word or deed, in the things you say or do, do all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. Listen, are you struggling in different areas of your life? That, that Jesus would be your Lord and that in all things, as you look up to him, as you grab a hold of what he's saying regarding your workplace or regarding how you are, your character, your nature, that you should be these things. The Lord is saying, do it in my name, and I'm going to give you the strength to be the person that you need to be, the power of the Holy Spirit available because you are trusting in my name for your situation, for your speech, for your conduct, for your behavior, to deal with even the things of temptation, to deal with the things of health, to deal with the things of finances, to deal with the things of relationship, whatever it may be in life. The Lord is saying, listen, in my name, do it in my name. I want to give you the power my name is able to overcome every single thing, every principality power. Satan is overcome by the name of Jesus as our faith is in Jesus' name, as I surrender to the Lord Jesus and I make him Lord in my life. Praise God. We're, we're talking about all the things that we may say and do, every single word, every single deed that comes from the heart and from the mind as we grab a hold of Jesus, his word to us, and who he is, his name, in Jesus' name, that there will be an impact in the things that we say and do and who we are, especially in our interactions in this world. And even when it comes to temptation, we're talking about temptation. The things that we are tempted in, things that would uh, come against our flesh, the things of our, our the eyes that are where there's a temptation through what we see or the pride of life, all these different things of temptation in the end as we would look to them and say, yeah, I want to do that, we lose out. We lose out. But in Jesus' name, as we look up to Jesus, even the temptation, there is a way out and the power of God is able to help us as the power of the Holy Spirit begins to flow through Jesus Christ and what he did for us on a cross 2,000 years ago to take care of us. Praise God. It's interesting that in the Luke account of this parable, it talks about temptations. But the very same uh, parable, the sower and the seed, in Matthew 13, verse 20, about the explanation of this, listen to what it says. It says, and once again, this is, these are choices we make regarding the word of God. And it is up to us. We choose whether we're going to grab a hold of the word of God, Jesus' name, whether we're going to live by that or we're going to go in our own strength. Listen to what it says, Matthew 13, 20. But he who received the seed on stony places, this is he who hears the word and immediately receives it with joy. Hey, that's a good word. I grab it. I, I receive it. Yet he has no root in himself. Basically, there is no root that's allowed to go down by choice in himself. It's like, hey, it's almost like in my, that person is more concerned about dealing with things in their own strength and can endure for a while. For when, now listen to this part. This next part is very interesting. For when tribulation or persecution arises because of the word, 
immediately he stumbles. So here's what's happening. The reason the roots can't go down is because they hear the word and they're saying, well, am I going to grab a hold of this or not? And they're saying, no, I'm not. And so there's persecution and tribulation that arises because of the word. You might say, what tribulation? What persecution? What it happens is you are wanting to do something and you know, uh, is this right? The word comes and says, no, this is not right. What you're doing is not right. Listen to me. Listen to me, my dear brother and sister. There's times where you are wondering, there's an agitation. You wonder why you are stumbling. You are stumbling because... There's an agitation that's coming from the word of the Lord that is contrary to what you want to do. And here's what you're going to do. You are going to make every excuse, every justification why you should do what you're going to do. And it is contrary to what the word of God is. Contrary, the Holy Spirit is, is convicting you by the word saying, don't do this. And we say, well, no, no, no. I'm going to go ahead and do this. And then what happens? We stumble. It is up to us. In fact, in each one of these scenarios that Jesus lays out in Luke chapter 8, we choose how we're going to respond. And so if we choose to harden our hearts, we lose out. If we choose to say, I reject the word of God, it's only a matter of time. We endure for a while and then we will stumble. Listen, it may be why you are stumbling. There's no root. There is no root allowed to go down because when the word comes again and again and again, you say, nice word, but I'm not going to do it. And then you stumble. You wonder why you stumble. Or you wonder why you're going around and around and around and nothing changes in your life. Say, Pastor, are you upset with me? I'm not upset with you. I am upset with the lies of the enemy in your life. I'm upset with the enemy allowing, uh, stealing from you, lying to you. And I'm upset with the, the choices that as you make them, the impact, the negative impact it has in your life. And that, that bothers me because I'm thinking, oh, man. And this is the same thing. You grieve the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is grieved because you are not doing what you should do, which would bring blessing to your life and to those around you. I'll tell you right now, when we stumble, not only do we hurt ourselves, oftentimes we plow into other people that are around us. Even as we stumble, we, we're knocking other people around as well as we stumble. He has no root in himself. It's by our choice that roots will grow or not grow in our life to bring stability. Roots go down and they grow into the things of nourishment to bring nourishment up to the rest of the plant. The seed is there for a period of time, but after a while, the seed, the energy and the, uh, of that seed is gone and there needs to be roots that come, go down to go deep and pull up the nourishment from the soil so that there can be a plant that grows. Definitely that we would continue to hear the word of God. That there would be a continued growth in our life. As we grab a hold, and the roots, as we grab a hold, the roots can grow. So Matthew doesn't say temptation, but he says tribulation or persecution arising as a result of the word. There's a tribulation in our heart because we are rejecting the word of God. There's persecution that comes to us. I'll tell you, the enemy will be all over you as you 
reject the word of God. In fact, he's, he's saying, yes, go for it, go for it, go for it. And then he's also backing up, not backing off. He's not just enticing, but he's in the enticement. There's an encouragement to continue down the wrong road and we lose out. And we're truly, we're persecuted by the enemy. And we don't have the blessing of the fruit of the spirit and of, of God in our lives. There is an agitation, even a conflict between the Holy Spirit and, and our own thinking. And it's going on with, within my mind. The word of the Lord will always be contrary to our human carnal mind. Listen to what it says in Romans 8, verse 5. For those who live according to the flesh, basically it's according to my will be done. Set their minds on things of the flesh, my will being done. But those who live according to the Spirit, uppercase S, Holy Spirit, the things of the Spirit. So they'll set their minds on the things of the Spirit. I have ears to hear what the Spirit is saying. For to be carnally minded is death. You want to follow your own will, your own ways, your own mind? It will result in death. And we're talking death, eternity apart from God. We're not talking... Uh, physical death. We're talking spiritual death if we go on in that, that, uh, in that direction. But to be spiritually minded is life and peace. Praise God. Because the carnal mind is enmity against God. It's, it's, there's war. It's opposed to God. For it is not subject to the law of God, nor in, indeed can be. So then those who are in the flesh cannot please God. It's unfortunate. There's no pleasing of God. There's no trust or faith in Jesus Christ. There's no trust in his name. There's no faith in Jesus Christ and, and who he is and what he could do in our life. It is unfortunate. Galatians 5, verse 16 and 17 says, I say then, walk in the Spirit, in the Holy Spirit, and you shall not fulfill the lust of the flesh. Our flesh includes our carnal human mind. Set your mind on things above, not on this earth on yourself, on what's good for me, or what's in it for me. For the flesh lusts against the spirit, and the spirit against the flesh. And these are contrary to one another, opposed to each other. Your flesh, your carnal mind and thinking is opposed to God. Listen, if you have to do mental acrobats, you have to do these, this mental uh, uh, justification for your behavior, your speech, or your actions... I'll tell you right now, it is contrary to the, way, the things of the Lord. As we say yes to the, to the Holy Spirit and to the word of God, we will not be ashamed and God will not be ashamed. Jesus will not be ashamed of us when, when he comes. So the flesh lusts against the spirit and the spirit against the flesh and these are contrary to one another so that you do not do the things that you wish. The things even that you want to do, you can't do because you're depending on yourself. And here the Lord is saying, oh, by my spirit, I want to help you in every aspect of your life. Truly, that's what chapters 3, right to the end of chapter 4 in Colossians is all about. We'll get it, be getting into a little bit more of that uh, in the coming weeks. So set your mind on things above, not on this earth. We, I want to reiterate the second part here. Setting our mind on things above, not on the things of this earth. And the things of this earth would be whether it's people, the things that they say, 
or maybe your thoughts are on things and, and things of acquisition, if you would. Uh, sometimes your thoughts and your mind is set on actions or mindsets or philosophies or religion, which is, are, are the things of man, all things of man, whatever it may be, and that's where you're setting your mind on rather than saying, Lord, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to look up to you. I'm going to set my things on things above, not on this earth. It says, not on this earth. Let me read it. Colossians 3, verse 1, it says, if, you then, if then you were raised with Christ, seek those things which are above, where Christ is sitting at the right hand of God. Place of authority. To, to, he's got the authority and the power to do the work in your life as you look up. Set your mind on things above, not on things on the earth. For goodness sake, don't be distracted. For you died and your life is hidden with Christ in God. When Christ, who is our life, appears, then you also will appear with him in glory. In other words, verse 4 talks about the fact you're going to make it. You will make it, guaranteed, when you start to look up to Jesus Christ and you set your mind on what he has to speak into your life and that you use, that in all things, you would do it in the name of the Lord Jesus. Hallelujah. For you died and your life is hidden with Christ in God. Now, when did we die? Now, we're not talking here about the death of, of, of us spiritually. We're not talking about spiritual death. Spiritual death takes place the moment we have sinned. We are dead spiritually. But then we are, it says here, we've been raised with Christ. It starts off, Colossians 3, it says, if then you've been raised with Christ, you've come to life. Now it's talking about, for you died and your life is hidden with Christ and God. Now, what is that? So the first part, sin causes our, us to die spiritually. But here, there is a death of the flesh. There's a dying of our flesh. For you died. Listen, we're talking about dying with Christ. It's our flesh that dies with Christ. The things of the flesh, the carnal mind and thinking, dead. Dead, dead. When Jesus died... On the cross, it was he died physically, the flesh, the body, he died. He was totally alive spiritually, his soul totally alive. He never died spiritually. That part which is eternal never died in Jesus Christ because he was perfect, the perfect lamb of God. But it says we, we died, for you died and your life is hidden with Christ in God. Where and how? In just a few verses before, going back to Colossians chapter 2, verse 11, it says, In him, you were also circumcised or cut off. You were cut off from life with this circumcision made without hands. Not by, not, we're not talking about a physical thing. We're talking about a spiritual thing by putting off the body of the sins of the flesh. Cut off, dead, by the circumcision of Christ. By his death and our acknowledging his death and saying, yes, that is me, or that's, I am there with you on the cross. I believe what you did for me, and there's a cutting off of my flesh all by faith. And the body of the sins of the flesh cut off, putting off, buried with him in baptism of death, in which you were also raised with him through faith, by faith, in the working of God, by God's power, who raised Jesus from the dead, and you being dead in your trespasses and the uncircumcision of your flesh, he has made alive together with him. You've been made alive together with Jesus, having forgiven you all your sins, all your trespasses. 
having wiped out the handwriting of requirements that was against us, which was contrary to us. All the things that were, we had broken the law, here, 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 listen, 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 all recorded, every single sin, and we were breaking the law, we broke the law, we broke the law, guilty, 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 guilty. He has taken it all out of the way, having nailed it to the cross, having disarmed the principalities and powers that were coming against us, they were accusing us, and they, and they were right. But now our faith is in Jesus Christ, so Satan cannot no longer accuse us because we, everything has been taken care of by Jesus Christ. And it says he made a public spectacle of them, triumphing over them in it, in their death. And here we are, we're acknowledging that in our lives. Whatever you do, do whatever you do in word and deed, in your speech and in your conduct, do all in the name of Jesus, of the Lord Jesus. Do all in the name of the Lord Jesus that your faith would be in Jesus and his name, his name, who he is and what he did for you so you can have victory in every aspect of your life. And not just victory. We're talking about a flourishing in your life. To flourish in your, in your character, in your personal daily actions and speech. There's changes taking place in you and in me. When our, world, when our view is on this world and the things of it, there's a choking out. Just quickly, Luke, going back to Luke 8, 14, it says, Now the ones that fell among thorns, the seed that fell among thorns, are those who when they, he, they have heard, go out and are choked with cares, riches, and pleasures of life and bring no fruit to maturity. When they have heard, they go out. They say, no, 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 I, I, I'm going out. I'm, I'm doing my own thing. I'm going out, and it is all about the cares of this life. I've got too many things of this life, and they, you are everything is being choked out when it comes to what God wants to do, the fruit in your life. Nothing comes. It says no fruit comes to maturity because we go out. We go away from the word. We, we say, no, 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 I heard it. I don't want anything to do with it. I'm going out. I'm going to do my own thing. And I get choked out with the cares, the riches, and pleasures of this life and bring no fruit to maturity. Look what it says in Mark. Mark looks at it, he's even more expanded on these, these three things that choke us out or choke out the blessings of the Lord in our life. Mark 4, verse 18 says, Now these are the ones sown among thorns, the seed that is sown among thorns. They are the ones who hear the word and the cares of this world, the deceitfulness of riches and the desires for other things, entering in, choke out the word, and it becomes unfruitful. So uh, Luke says they go out to seek the things of this world, the cares, of, of the, cares the riches and pleasures of life, Whereas Mark says, no, 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 they, there's not just a seeking out, but they're allowing for the world to come into their life. The cares of this world, the cares, the deceitfulness, the lies of the pursuit of riches. I need to have this, I need to have that, and then my life will be, will be good. Or the pleasures of life. Oh, man, if I just were, was able to do this thing, or I'm able to, to go over there and do this and that, then my life will be full and it'll be meaningful, and it'll be make me happy. Listen, 
it chokes. These things will choke. If that's what we're allowing to, to, to fill our hearts and our life, we will be choked out and it becomes unfruitful. The seed, the blessing of the Lord, the word of the Lord to us becomes unfruitful because we've allowed the things of the world into our heart and into our life. These distractions you know what, if you're distracted by the things of this world and the riches, uh, deceitfulness of riches and the pleasures, the desires for other things, what will happen is it seems like nothing of the things of God will actually come to existence in your life. It just doesn't happen. And so we miss out. We miss out. And the Lord is saying, I don't want that for you. I don't want that for you. For you died and your life is hidden with Christ in God. When Christ, who is our life, who is our life now, when he appears, then we will also appear with him in glory. You will make it to the end. When Christ, who is our life, and there's a life, there's power, there's the plans and purposes, the, the spirit of God just going into us, the things that he would have us do despite our flaws, despite our weaknesses, despite our faults, despite the things that we can't do. The Lord is saying, oh, man, but I can do so much in you. Don't let the enemy lie. Listen to what it says. Luke 8, verse 8, in the illustration says, but others fell, other seeds fell on good ground, sprang up and yielded a crop a hundredfold. When he said these things, he cried, he who has an ear to hear, let him hear. And here's the explanation in verse eight, uh, 15, Luke 8, 15. But the ones that fell on the good ground are those who, having heard the word with a noble and good heart, keep it and bear fruit with patience. So they grab a hold of the word and they keep it. They don't let go of it. Lord, let your word be done in my life. Let your will be done in my life. And there is a fruit a hundredfold. I like Luke. He says a hundred fold. He says, I'm not. Matthew says a hundred, sixty, or thirty fold. Uh, Mark says thirty, sixty, a hundred fold. Luke just says, you know what? No, no, no. I'm going for a hundred fold. I just I, I want everything that the Lord has for me. Not thirty or sixty, but a hundred fold in my life. I want all that He has for me. Our words and our deeds, our whole life. All we do, every aspect done by faith in the name of our Lord Jesus. He is Lord and his name is above all and he is able to do a work. If he could raise, go to the cross with all our sins, his body broken, blood shed for us and die and be buried and rise again. Do you not think that he can take and do a work in your life? Absolutely, he can. I want you to know today, whatever you do in word or deed, that you would do all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. I just want to take a moment to pray with you. And if you're watching today and you are a, a sinner, an unbeliever, and you just happen to come across this, uh, this, this beautiful message of the Lord to you, I want you to know, as you acknowledge your sin, as you confess Jesus as the only one that can save you from your sin, because he's the only one that can, because he died for you. He took the consequences of your sin upon himself. He died for you. As you allow him into your life, you will have life. And that you will be ready. You will have an eternity with God. And on this side of heaven, 
God will do a work powerfully for you, on you, through you, in you. The Lord will do a work as you place your faith in Jesus. I want to just say a quick prayer for you. And then just close for others that maybe you're struggling, maybe you're wayward, maybe you're backslidden, wherever you may be. I want to pray for you. I want to pray for those. Maybe, yeah, you're in that place. You know you're backslidden. You're not where you should be. You can pray this a sinner's prayer. Or those that may have been wayward, you can pray that prayer just like this, a sinner that is coming to the Lord for the first time. Pray with me. Jesus, I am not where I should be at. I have done my own thing. I have sinned. And my life is not what it could be or should be in you. And so I confess my sins to you. I confess my waywardness. I confess that my, my being Lord in my own life. And I humble myself before you. I recognize, Jesus, you died for me. I can't believe that you would do this for me with all that I have done, that you would die for me, that you would take all my sins upon yourself. But you did. You died for me and you rose again. I believe, yes, you are the only one that can save me from my condition. So I place my faith and my trust in you, Jesus. I believe it in my heart. You are the only one that can save me. And I ask you, I welcome you into my life, to every aspect of my life, not just some parts, but every part of my life. The things that shouldn't be, Lord, that those things would be removed by your blood, by your power, by your spirit. Lord, the things that should be that are not yet, let them be. Your will be done in my life. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Lord, I pray for all of us, along with those that may have prayed this prayer already, I pray for all of us, Lord, let our eyes, let our, our view, let our perspective look be upward that we would seek those things which are above, where you are sit, seated at the right hand of God. Lord, that we would set our mind on things above, not on things on this earth or this world. Lord, we are declaring, yes, we have died with you. You're, we are hidden with you, Lord Jesus, in God. You envelop us. You protect us. You will keep us. We just thank you and we praise you. And we thank you, Lord, that you are Christ. You are our life. We have our existence and our being in you. And we will do all things in the name of our Lord Jesus. You are our Lord Jesus. We'll do all things in your name. And we will make it to the end, flourishing a hundredfold to your word. As we grab a hold of it, keep it. It will bring a fruit all by itself that is so far beyond us that we don't even have to do anything because it's being done within us by your power and by your spirit. We just say, thank you, Jesus. We thank you, Jesus. Lord, I just thank you and I praise you, Lord, for the work that you are doing even now by the word that was given by your spirit, by your word to, to us, Lord. We just thank you for the work it is accomplishing 
We give you all the praise and glory and honor at this time that you would be exalted in our lives. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Praise God. God bless you. And uh, if you know somebody that, that uh, needs to be encouraged or is struggling, just uh, share this, this uh, message with them, this link with them, and uh, that there would be a coming to faith in Jesus Christ and just a realization of what he can do in their life as well. So share that with others uh, if you would. God bless you. Have a great evening yet. Have a great remainder of the week, and we will see you next time on Sunday. Um, God willing. And uh, so God bless you. Hey, Lighthouse family. Thanks so much for tuning in to another one of our podcast sermons. I'm Pastor Joel Sloss. For more podcasts, media, and live stream services at lighthouseniagara.com, Sundays at 10 o'clock. God bless.